Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have together tonight to study your word. We look up to your spirit that you sent to us to teach us, to guide us into all truth, that he will guide us and lead us into all truth. And by the power of your spirit, God of mercy, you will cause your word to enter every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are in book of Galatia, chapter 3. Book of Galatia, chapter 3. The book of Galatia, if you have seen where we started, is the strongest defense of the gospel of grace, which is, in a nutshell, we are justified and counted righteous by faith in Christ alone and not by works of the law. God accepts us only because of our faith in the finished work of Calvary. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of grace because it is grace. It's not by works. The Bible says we are saved by grace. We receive it by faith and it's not of works. So that's basically what Paul is defending against these people who are so, who are so zealous, Jews who have read the Torah and the laws of Moses all their life and going around and saying, no, you need to be circumcised, you need to do other things so that you are saved, and that's not the real gospel. So we continue to see how Paul is defending the gospel very vigorously, and the benefit also to you as an individual is that it deepens your understanding of the gospel too. It really makes you understand very, very well and get grounded in it. So in Galatians chapter 3 in verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death <clears throat> was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. He was saying to them, he was confronting their foolishness. He said, you need to be foolish. In some translations, he said, you need to lose your mind to backslide from grace to works. To go from believing in Christ alone to what you can do to, to earn God's favor. So he was really, really, really confronting their foolishness. And especially because they have fallen for this false teaching of all these false preachers going around contaminating the gospel and adding the works of men to the works of God. And Paul said, only people who have lost their mind can make such a decision to go from grace and all its benefits to men, free, to go to leave it alone and go to works. And he had taught them the gospel of grace so clearly, so well, that he expected them to stand by it. And look at some of the things he's talking about. The benefits of the cross have been so explained today. They were offered righteousness. Remember that Adam sinned and God kicked him out. So God is offering us way back, way back, righteousness, acceptance back to him, free, offering forgiveness of our sins, offering us reconciliation with him, offering us sonship, members of his household, Offering us freedom from slavery of sin and Satan and the world, 
For if the Son shall set you free, you are free indeed. Offering us to be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Offering us life instead of death. For the soul that sinners shall die is offering us life free of charge. And Paul said, if you, you need to lose your mind to, for, to forgo all these things, and you want to work for them when you cannot work for them. So he was really, really surprised. Well, it's still the same thing today. So in Romans chapter 5, verse 17, the supporting scripture to what he was saying, he says, For sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. See what God is offering us in Christ Jesus. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Death to rule over many. Caused sickness and all these things to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift, G-I-F-T, gift of righteousness, gift of acceptance. For all who receive it, we live in triumph over sin, over death, through this one man, Jesus Christ. Man, you can't, how can you, how can you not accept this? 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation to, for everyone. You don't have to do anything. All you need to do is to be born into this world. David said we are born in sin. He says, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. How can, how can somebody not just accept this? That's why, that's why Paul was flabbergasted. He said, you people must be foolish. He said, in some translation, he said, did anybody put a hex on you? Is it demonic or something? Verse 19, because one man disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one man obeyed God, many will be made righteous. That's, that's just so awesome. In Acts 26, verse 18, it says, this is the gospel Paul is trying to explain. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, just by accepting Christ. Turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God, you talk of deliverance, freedom, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and then inheritance, blessings among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Paul is like, did anybody put a hex on you? Is this demonic activity? Did you lose your mind that you reject these things offered you free and prefer to go walk yourself out? And you can't get these things that way. It's like somebody who has no home and they are offered a mansion and they are made to be a part of the family of the richest man in the world. And then you, you accepted it, you were so excited and you went into your mansion and all of a sudden somebody comes to tell you you don't, you don't, you don't merit this thing and you packed and left. You packed and left and you say, they say, what did you say? I need to work for it. You, anybody looking at you will say you lost your mind. That's exactly what Paul is saying. There's anybody who's rejecting grace 
like these people did, lost his mind. They say you have to be demonized to make such a choice. In verses 2 to 5, he said, let me ask you this question. Now, this is question time. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by, by obeying the law of Moses? Or of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you had about Christ. Verse 3. How foolish can you be? How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian life in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own effort? Verse 4. Have you experienced so much for nothing? They were persecuted as new Christians. He said, this, all this persecution and this is for nothing. Surely it was not in vain, was it? Verse 5. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you had about Christ. I pray that God will open our eyes. To, you know, this hinders many Christians. They haven't understood this. They, they think they have to earn the blessing of God by Several days of fasting, several days of this, all this. They, they bring it to God in place of Jesus and his blood and his sacrifice. Fasting is good. I'm not saying it's not good, but it's not, it can't take the place of Christ at all. Jesus says, not fasting. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is not fasting. So let's look at these questions. Say, so do you receive the Spirit of Christ by faith? Did, did you receive the Spirit of Christ by faith in Christ or by your work? Do you get this new life by your own righteousness or by the works of Christ on the cross? Do you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit because you obey the law? Who in the body of Christ says, you know why I got baptized in the Holy Spirit? It's because I obeyed everything. I'm so righteous. I'm so... Everybody will look at that person. You know, we know these things unconsciously. But somehow, we haven't had the revelation to believe them. We haven't. Not many. Do you receive healing and miracles because of your good works? Who can come and say, I have testimony. You know I was sick and God healed me because of my goodness. Because of my awesome righteousness. If somebody says it in, the, in well, I don't know. But many people will look at that person and say, Ooh, this is pride. Something is wrong with this guy. But we do it. We don't say that. But we depend on it. Somehow. We do. Paul is saying, so if you didn't receive miracles by your good works, how do you think you will receive righteousness, acceptance to God by your good works? If you didn't receive salvation by your good works, how do you dream that of all of a sudden you are going to walk into the presence of God and he receives you by your good works? It's a simple, logical thing to ask. If you didn't receive miracles, didn't receive healing, didn't receive uh, salvation by your good works and you can't testify, how do you dream now that all of a sudden that you have become righteous by your good works. Righteousness is being accepted by God. Remember that God kicked Adam out. Now God is accepting us back. 
And we always say, ah, by the special grace of God. <laughs> by the special grace of God. Okay, let's share the grace. We share the grace and we reject the same grace. You know, that goes to tell us how much mental ascent we operate in. We say the right things. We don't even have living consciousness of them. Neither do we understand them. Neither do we believe them. All spiritual gifts are accessed by faith alone. All spiritual gifts are accessed by faith alone. You are not going to be healed out of your own good works, sir. And many people are blocked there. They are blocked there. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, that's how we are made right in God's sight. By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved now. But we have peace with God. Why do we have peace with God? Because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. That's why we have peace with God. We are reconciled to God because of the blood that washed away your sins. Because of the sacrifice of Christ. He mediated peace between you and God. Don't forget this thing. There's no other thing that mediates peace. You don't have peace with God because of any other reason. It's because of the blood. It's because of what Christ did. That's why you have peace with God. That's why if you have peace with God, your sins are forgiven, God accepts you. Because there's no more problem. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look to forward to sharing God's glory now. What's God's glory? Sharing his character, his, his spirit, his, his authority. Sharing in the life of God. Sharing in the life of God. It's not just, you know, the, the character of God in, in being a good, in the walking in righteousness. But also in walking in authority of God. If you can't walk in the authority of God, you can't walk in his righteousness. If you can't walk in the authority of God, you'll be defeated. The Bible says if you receive the righteousness, then you walk, you reign over sin. You got to learn to reign over sin. You got to learn how to reign over the devil. You got to learn how to reign over the world. You got to learn. You got to. Got to, got to. Must, must, must. If you're not doing that, they reign over you. Somebody called me out of this country. He had a sickness and they knew. So by the grace of God, we were praying. And God healed this person. Very serious one. I said, one year after he called me, he said, ah. He said, that thing is back. I said, hey. So why are you calling me? I said, listen, God gave you one year to develop your faith. If you think you are going to get this one away by calling people to pray for you, I say, you are wasting your time. It won't happen. So I'm telling you the gospel truth. God gave you one year to develop your faith. You, I was begging you. I would say, listen to this message, this story, the scripture, build up your faith. One year. I said, all these people you are calling, all these people you are joining and giving prayer requests, that's why it's worse. And I won't get better. I said, I'm telling the truth. I said, you better get up and reign over this thing yourself. She did. The thing left. <laughs> he called me and said, brother, this thing works. I said, what before, uncle? I didn't even pray for her. 
And the way you don't pray for your dear sister. I mean, this is your sister, man. If you don't pray for your sister. I didn't pray, but my heart, I, I, I said, Lord, this is my sister. I love my sister. I couldn't pray for her. I told her if I pray, it will work. I said, this is what you do. If you don't run, learn to reign over these things, they reign over you. They always want to dominate us. So you've got to get up and fight. She did. She called me back. He said, brother, hey. So I jumped up and I said, what? Why am I tolerating this? He said, Jesus, name, you can't be here. I said, speak to that. He has life. Rebuke it. Command it together. And she did. She's, she's traveling, coming around here. The thing is, days, it was gone. So it's not just that we are sharing in the glory of God in his character, but we're sharing in his authority, sharing in his word, speaking his word, to use his word to make things happen. To use Men, we should be imitators of God. That's how we walk in divine glory. It's not only, oh, I'm trying to be holy, but you are being defeated all over the place. That's not walking in his fullness of his glory. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to listen to me, church. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there must be manifestations of that. If you don't have manifestations, something is wrong. You must, you must, you must experience the manifestations of that Spirit in your life. The glory being manifested, the gifts of the Spirit, walking in your private life, walking, walking where you, do. You, you if you are not, If you are not experiencing it, sir, with all the love in my heart, check it up. Something is wrong. You can't have hot water in a kettle and it's not, it's not, it's, the place is cool. So they started by the Spirit, by faith in Christ, believing we walk the Spirit did, so that they're walking by the Spirit in them. And all of a sudden, they're resorting to walking by flesh. And the Bible says, if you follow the flesh, you shall surely die. It will, it will hinder your fellowship with God. It's just as simple as that. Now, Philippians 1.6 tells us something very interesting. Being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he began it. Why taking over from him? Why don't you continue to live by faith? Paul said, I live by faith in the Son of God. Why can't you continue to trust him all the way through? Why take over from him? So he says, he says you started in the spirit. How come you are ending up in the flesh? The flesh is what you do. The spirit is the arm of the Lord. It's what God does. God is not a man. It's not flesh. The flesh is what you do. The spirit, is, the spirit is what the spirit does. When you live by the spirit, it means you are living under the control, inspiration, guidance of the spirit of Christ. Through your spirit. It's called living in the spirit. It's the spirit life. It is not, it doesn't, it doesn't manifest the works of the flesh. Anger, you know, gossiping, immoralities, lying. It doesn't manifest that because it's a holy, pure spirit. It manifests the love of God. Verses 6 to 8, 6 to 9. In the same way, Abraham believed 
and make sure we are in order here. Yeah, we read two, 2 to 5. Now verses 6 to 9. In the same way, Abraham believed God. I want you to follow what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, this thing is by faith in Christ alone. And then he uses, he's going to use Abraham now to illustrate it so you will understand it. Very, very easy to understand. So he says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. That is found in Genesis 15, 6. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God alone. What's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. Follow me. It's easy to understand. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations, Jews, Gentiles, all nations will be blessed through you. That's Genesis 12, 3. So in verse 9, so all who put their faith in Christ now share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. All nations will be blessed through you. And Paul is saying, that's what God means. That Abraham was counted righteous by faith. So God is saying, anybody who also now believes in Christ, because the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, who is Christ. Anybody now who puts his faith in Christ is counted righteous. All nations, all nations are saved by faith in Christ. All nations come into this blessing by faith in Christ Jesus. So in, 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 in that verse 6 to 9, it says, let me show you something. In the same, verse 6, it says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So what is the blessing of Abraham? It is that God counted him righteous because of his faith. Then in verse 9, it says, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. What blessing? Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. What is the blessing Abraham received because of his faith? God, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When we sing Abraham blessings our mind, we don't know what we're talking about. Many people don't know what I'm talking. They're dreaming of cars to, to write. This is the main thing. When you are singing Abraham, blessing someone, you are saying, God, I'm counted righteous. Just like Abraham. Because you see, if your God doesn't count you righteous and doesn't accept you, none other blessing follows. No other blessing follows. That's the beginning point. So when we're singing Abraham, blessing someone, let's understand what we're singing. It's Galatians 3.6. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. You come down to verse 9. So all now, all nations, Jews, Gentiles, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. The same blessing. These same blessings. The same blessing. Blessing. One word. Blessing, Abraham received because of his faith. So what did Abraham receive because of his faith? God counted him righteous because of his faith. 
So we are singing, Abraham, blessings are mine. What they're saying is, I've received the gift of righteousness because of my faith in Christ. Because that opens the door to every other blessing coming your way. If God has not accepted you, you don't have access to him. Neither do you have access to his blessings. You are not even saved. Romans 4, 1 to 6. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of all Jewish nations. What did he discover about being made right with God? If good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham, you see, Paul is writing the same thing to Galatia, Ephesians, Romans. It's the same thing. He says, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift. But something they have earned, the people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, they can't earn it, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he declared the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. That should be, I think, in Psalm 32. You should see. I'm, I'm sure it should be Psalm 32. You are David is writing this thing. See, when God, when the Bible talks about this new righteousness that the law and the prophet witness it, it's because they wrote, all of them, many of them wrote about it. So, so Paul is saying to, to, to the Galatians that the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Because they are the ones that are going to receive the same blessing Abraham received. So Abraham and his seed. So if you want to join, you receive the same blessing Abraham received. Through faith in his seed. Those are the real children of Abraham. Those who follow his example. Those who have come into the family of faith. Those who are enjoying the blessing that God pronounced to Abraham and his seed. Paul said, these are the real children of Abraham. And that God was looking forward when he would, that Gentiles will also do the same and receive the same righteousness. It's called the gospel. It's called the gospel. Now, in verses 10 to 12. But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under his cause. For the scripture says, cause is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of law. But it should make us think twice. But those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under his cause. For the scripture says, Paul quotes Deuteronomy. Paul quotes scriptures. He said, this is what the scripture says. If you depend on the Lord to make you right with God, you're under a curse. He said, the scripture says, curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in the books of the law. Verse 11. Because nobody obeys all the commandments 
So he comes to a wonderful conclusion in verse 11. So it is clear now that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. So why do you try to go that route? For the scripture says, it is through faith. Through faith. Through faith that a righteous person has life. It is through faith you have relationship with God and he gives you life. Instead of death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's through faith in Christ that you are counted righteous and you receive life. See, this way of faith is different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. They've been saying that because now nobody has obeyed the law, it is evident who has obeyed it. And that's why it says, you see, those who want to stick to the law are their means of seeking righteousness will, are under the cost of the law. Now, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 27, 26, this is what Paul was quoting. Whoever doesn't obey every word of this teaching will be cursed. Hey, that's what it is. Then all the people will say, Amen. Whoever doesn't obey every word of these teachings will be cursed. Paul quoted Deuteronomy. He said, If you want to live by the law, read Deuteronomy. Have you obeyed all of them? Not required. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not so bad. No, all of them. And here is the challenge in James chapter 2, verse 10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. So how do you escape? That's why Paul said it is evident that it is impossible for a man to be counted righteous by the route of that law. Very evident. And pretty soon we are going to see why. That is even because of our inherent nature before that we had before we come to Christ. So, and Paul also quoted Habakkuk. Actually, Paul quoted Habakkuk very extensively in his defense of the gospel. I think he quoted him a couple of times. In Habakkuk 2, 4, he said, Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. He says the prophets, the law, the, the, uh, the law and the prophet said this thing. The law is the writings of Moses. The prophets are the writings of every other prophet. The law is the writings of Moses. The prophet is the writings of every other prophet. Major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, minor prophets like Obadiah and all this kind of thing. So Paul was quoting Habakkuk that the just shall live by his faith. In Romans 3, 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and prophets. See, they are witnesses to this. They witnessed this thing. They wrote about it. What did they write? The righteousness of God without the law. That God will count us righteous with, not by the principles of the law, but by the principles of faith in Christ. It's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. 
For there is no difference. All nations, all nations, all nations will be blessed in you. You and your seed. So now, no difference. All nations are receiving the same gift of righteousness when they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul was, we should learn something from Paul. He based all his teachings, all his writings on the scripture. Paul never spoke from human wisdom. Extensively based everything on the scripture. Look at Acts 26 verse 22. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great. What am I witnessing? Saying none other things than those with the prophets and Moses this day should come. So that's all I preach. I don't preach any other. Now I don't go conjuring stuff in my head. No. Saying none other things than those with the prophets and Moses this day should come. That's why he's quoting them. He's lifting them. And if you read all his writings and all the New Testament letters and things, they are lifted mostly from the Old Testament, from the prophets and Moses. Acts 24, 14. But this I confess unto you, that after the way quit they call heresy, so worship I God of my Father, believing, what do you believe for? All things which are written in the law and in the prophets. So I believe all of them. I believe the scripture. Because it's the word of God. Now verses 13 to 14. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now you know what the blessing of Abraham is? It's the gift of righteousness. So now, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Because remember, he said, curse is every man who did not obey all these things. And none, nobody did. The Bible says, all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. All. So all of us were all died. Everybody. And Paul is saying, the only way you get out of it now is to believe what Christ has done for you. You can't behave yourself out of it. Because the, through the law, you can't be perfect. You can't do everything. So you, you're just entangling yourself more and more. And so that the only way out of that cause is to put your faith in Christ. Not only that you receive just the righteousness gift, but also you receive freedom from the cause of the law. That's what he's saying. That Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cause is everyone who hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The promise that God made indeed. That seed indeed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, when Christ hung on the tree, this is what they wrote in EnduringWord.com. They said when, when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the cause for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cause is everyone who is hung on a tree. So Jesus took the cause for all the laws we disobeyed of our wrongdoing. Remember that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember. Remember that. So, there's no way out of that. So Paul is saying, faith in Christ is the only way because he knew that's one way to get out of this cause. That we are, that was hanging 
over us. So when Jesus hung on the tree, he took upon himself the cause of all our wrongdoing. This is what our Lord Jesus fulfilled in Deuteronomy 21, 23. This is what the scripture says. His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bear, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he, he that is hanged is cost of God. He that is hanged is cost of God. He said, you must bury him that day. Because he's a cost person. That the land be not defied. Quit the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. See, so the scripture says, for he that is hanged is a, is a cost of God. Paul said, yeah, Jesus hung on the tree. He became a, a cost of God. So in being a cost of God, he took our place. And that's the only way we can get out of the cause of all the sin we committed. And remember that in John 1931, that's why they didn't allow Jesus to hang overnight. Because he said his body shall not remain all night upon that. So in John, in John 1931, the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation, that the body should not remain. That the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day because it will defile them. For that Sabbath day was an high day. Besought Pilate that the legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. You see, so they say the body cannot remain overnight because the law says this guy, this man is cursed. And the, the, we can't leave it overnight. We must take him down that day and bury him. So when Paul is quoting, he's quoting what the scripture said, that Jesus became a cause for us. Because it is written like that. And then it's not only that Jesus became a cause, but Jesus also made it possible for us now to get to enter into the blessings that we don't deserve the blessings of Abraham. Because it's not only that he became a cause for us, but that through him now, we get into the blessing of Abraham. Through faith in Christ, we enjoy that promise of the Spirit. That promise to Abraham and thy seed, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you come into that all nation, the faith, the, the nation of faith. And you receive the gift of righteousness. And with that gift of righteousness now, you receive every other blessing that God has. Galatians 3, 14 says, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So now, when Christ has taken away the cause, what is remaining is the blessing. So we can now have access to the blessing that God promised us through Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. So he says that through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham as we read it in Galatians 3, 8 to 9. That blessing is being counted righteous by faith. Now, Paul began to say that this promise of God is unchanging. That you can't change it. It's an unchanging word. In Galatians 3, 15, say, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement. So it is in this case. You can't amend. It's irrevocable. The promise to Abraham and his seed 
is irrevocable. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children. As if it meant many descendants. Rather it says to his child. That of course means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 300, 430 years later when God gave Moses the, the law. When God gave the law to Moses, God will be breaking His promise. It's impossible for God to lie. In the book of Hebrew, I think chapter six, about verse eleven or so, that's what the writer of Hebrews say. That look. That God swore an oath and his, with his promise. That this is binding on him to convince us who have run for refuge to him. That he will never change his mind. That this word cannot be broken. He said, then this creates expectation in you. And this expectation goes right through the, 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 the curtain. Right into the faithfulness of God and hooks like an anchor onto the faithfulness of God. And Christ has gone there with his blood. Mediating, assuring, confirming that this word, these promises are yours. Because when you have faith in Him, the promises are yours. That's what man. This that's marvelous. It should comfort every Christian who is standing on the word of God. It is irrevocable. If God says I've healed you, it's irrevocable. The devil can do whatever he likes to do. It's irrevocable. Completely irrevocable. It doesn't matter what you are seeing. You fight the fight of faith. You stand on what you know is irrevocable. If, if trials are, you know, you are looking for somebody to make a bar for you. It's not trial or anything, my friend. Trial will stagger you. They will bring men. The, the Bible called the fairy dust. That... I'm not kidding. He called the fairy that. It will stagger you. Sometimes it lasts some time. Sometimes not one, one day. It's not one year. Save sometimes. I'm not kidding. But we have an anchor. The expectation and the hope. Faith is, faith is uh, the hope of things that we are. Hope of things that. The, eh? The, the, yes, substance of things hoped for. That's right. Substance of things hoped for. I think I'm a little excited. Man, when I'm talking about Paul, I get excited. The man speaks my language. You know, so, man, he speaks a lot for. So, you know, so, very bold. Very bold. I love that man. So, so the substance of things hoped for. So, so, when we run to God for refuge, we run to God to refuge to grab his promise and say, this is mine. The Bible says God has bound himself with an oath to convince you that that is irrevocable. And that, that expectation, that, that hope of, substance of things hope for, substance, it exists, that that anchors you to God. It's like an anchor that when the billows are moving, that with that anchor, you anchor yourself to God. Man, and Jesus is right there with his blood, ministering on your behalf, who mediated these promises for you. What can be more assuring than this? Dear brothers and sisters, here is 
is, is an example of, from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, irrevocable, so it is in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and his child. Notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later because the law was given to Moses. And God says, oh, you know what? Uh, now, nah, that, that, that promise I gave you, you have to now obey the law before I give it to you. Then God would have deceived us. How can, if, if I promise you something and tomorrow I change it, how trustworthy am I? And God is very trustworthy and holy. He says, he says, the Lord cannot be canceled 430 years later when God gave the Lord to Moses. God will be breaking his promise if he does that. 18, for if the inheritance will be received by keeping the Lord, then it will not be as a result of accepting God's promise then, but God's graciously, graciously, graciously act of grace gave it to Abraham as a promise. Indeed, shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Promise. Abraham is a promise. And that promise, the law cannot change. Make the same point in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants, was based not on his obedience to God's law, making the same argument, but on a right relationship with God, which comes by faith. Fourteen, if God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary. Because now all you need to do is you obey the law and you bank, you say, God, I've, I've, I've paid you, I've done it, I've paid you. It's a contract. I've done it, so you've got to give it to me. So faith is no more necessary. You can't, you can't be trusting the faithfulness of God anymore. Now. You can't be putting your faith in Christ anymore. You are putting your faith in what you've done. And the promise is pointless. So why pro promise you something that you, you, you have? I promise you I'm buying you a shit and tomorrow I say, you know, before you get that shit too, there are two things you need to be doing. There are half laws for you to be doing. That negates the promise. No more a promise. It's now payment. Fifteen, for the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. Sixteen, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. We are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That's why he said the rich children of Abraham are those who walk in faith, who are in the family of faith, the nation of faith. 17. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. He said, I made you father of many nations. These are nations of faith people. Those who are going to believe in Christ come into this nation of faith. They are the rich children of Abraham. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life 
and who creates new things out of nothing. So Abraham believed, and God said, people who believe like you are going to receive the blessings you are receiving. Now, the question is, why then did God really give the law? If, if this law is not helping anybody, why? So why did God bother to give it anyway? That's verse 19. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 19. Are we making progress? Are you following me? Okay. Galatians 3, 19. Why then was the law given? Relevant question. Then the answer comes that it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Absolutely. Now listen to me. The law defines sin. If there was no law, we would have no knowledge of what sin is. He wrote in the book of Romans, he said, he said before uh, the law was given, that sin was in the world, but sin was not being imputed because it had not been defined. That's what Paul wrote. He said before, before, before the law was given, that sin, man was sinful because man has fallen. But he says sin was in the world, but it wasn't, it, it, people were not called, made, called sinful. It wasn't, uh, people were not, uh, they were not found guilty because sin has not been defined. So when the Lord came, the Lord defined sin. The Lord introduced the notion of sin. The law told us what sin is. It is the law that defines sin. If God, Paul said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that stealing is sin. I said, I saw what God said, that shall not stay. So it is the law that defines sin. So the law shows us, hey, this is the way God wants people to live. Now look at Romans 3, 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in the sight, in his sight. For, the, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law does not give you the knowledge of God. That's why I can't build faith in you. People who preach law produce people who are faithless. It's faith comes by hearing the gospel. The law gives you the knowledge of sin. So, so, it doesn't reveal God to you. So it is law that defines sin for us. So we can now know, oh, okay, ah, it will not steal, not commit adultery, that this is what God doesn't want us to do. So that's what the law did. In verse 19 to 20, it continues. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. What? Did you read that? The law was designed to last until Christ came. It wasn't designed to continue after Christ came. So any Christian who is running to the law, who is refusing grace, does not understand what he's talking about. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Why? Because when Christ now came, righteousness became by faith in him. So we didn't need the law. And guidance became by his spirit. Empowerment, life came by him. We didn't need the law. We're not being led and guided by the spirit of God. We didn't need the law anymore. So it was designed... So the law was designed to last until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses. I want you to listen to this. Very interesting. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. 
Now, a mediator is helpful now if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use the mediator when he gave the promise to Abraham. This is very, very interesting, people. Now, let's take the first one that says it was designed. The law was designed until Christ came. Look at, look at, look at. It's a temporary thing. Look at Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law. In some translations, that's it. They say Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believes. So the law can make you righteous. It's no more, the, it's no more a way of righteousness. Because nobody has obeyed all of it. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. Five. For Moses described, I'm reading, I'm reading, sorry, I didn't give you this. I, I, I think I'm reading the King James Version. Don't know why I put it on it. But it's okay. For Moses described, I can read your own. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does doeth those things shall live by them. Verse 6. But the righteousness which us of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in the heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does this righteousness of faith say? It says, Moses said, the righteousness of the law is that if you do all of them, you leave. Now I say no, but there's another righteousness of faith. What is he saying? The word is 90, even in their mouth and in their heart. That is the word of faith, faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Continue. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. When you believe, you are counted righteous, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With your confession, you bring it into reality. So the righteousness of faith is, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith is manifested by word and action. Faith is really an action word. Action, if there's no action, there's no faith. So we are, the Bible says that the, the, way, the, the new way to righteousness is through faith in Christ. Not the way that Moses described. That's what Paul is talking about here. That the, the, the new way of righteousness has come. Christ has come now. So that we can be saved by faith in Christ. Receive righteousness by faith in Christ. So we don't need the law anymore. It was a temporary thing which did them nobody any good thing. So now Christ has come. We don't need it. It's gone. Completely over. Secondly, he talked about how interesting. How God gave this this, this uh, law to Israel. He said an angel. He said an angel. An angel took this and gave to Moses. And he said, Moses and the people stood. And God stood. And the angel carried it to Liverpool. It's like, an, it's like a contract. You sign. And they stood there saying, Amen. And Amen. Sign it. If you don't do all these things, this will happen to you. They'll shout it, Amen. If you don't do this one, it will happen to you. Amen. If you did this one, you have the blessings. They were all signing. Amen. Sign, sign, sign. And they finished signing. <laughs> Read it in the Bible. God brought them together and said, let's, let's, let, 
Let me give you people this. So they were reading it to them. Cause is the man who doesn't do this. They said, Amen. Cause is the man who doesn't keep all these laws. Amen. Blesses the man who does the amen. So the blessing was predicated on their obeying the whole law. Causes predicated on not obeying it. And that's why the Christ had to redeem us from the cause of the law. Now, when it came to the, to the promises, God didn't bring an end. God himself. Listen to me. God didn't take anything to Abraham to sign. He didn't say to Abraham, if you don't do this, this will be no. The Bible said he gave him a promise. Said to Abraham, I will bless you. Multiply you. I will do this. And all you need to do is to receive it. It's called faith. Faith is receiving. He said, when he came to Abraham, he didn't need to give it to somebody that, because he and Abraham were not signing anything. That God was giving Abraham graciously, graciously. The promises are graciously given to him unconditionally. All that Abraham needs to do is to believe. To believe is to accept and say, yes, it's mine. It's receiving what God is giving. That's why I said, when God gave the law, he gave it through a mediator, an angel went. But when he came to Abraham, he said, God is one. He didn't need a mediator. He was, he was him. It was him. Christ is God. He is God. He said, I offered it to him without condition. It's called grace. Praise the Lord. Let me read it again. Verse 19 to 20. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful now if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. He just walked up and said, hey, these are yours. <laughs> just take them. Praise the Lord. Are you people following me? Am I shooting over your head? Okay, fine. So now look at this, Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest, manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So the other thing that, that made the law temporary is found in Hebrews 7, 18. For there is a Verily, a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect. So God said, this is unprofitable. So I have to annul it. It made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope did. It's Christ that made us perfect. The blood washed us clean. The law couldn't wash us clean. Couldn't create, give us new life. Couldn't change us. Nothing. So he made nothing perfect. So God said, this is temporary thing. I'm going to cancel it. When Christ comes, through whom I can produce, I can make you perfect, whose blood can wash you, then you don't need all of this one. And remember, secondly, is that the law in itself is not sinful because God gave it. But what the law does is that it arouses the rebellion in the natural man. See, 
if you take banana to a monkey, that banana will arouse desire to eat. The natural man is sinful. So once you bring, once you bring law, it will break it. So the law arouses that behavior in mankind. I want everybody to listen to me. Romans 7, 5. When we were controlled by our old nature before we came to Christ, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires. The law aroused them, resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law. For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power of arouser. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. It arouses it. If you preach the law, everywhere you preach the law, you arouse sinfulness in people. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This is the guy you're giving the law. John 15, 8, 18. If the world hates you, you know that he hated me before he hated you. This is a heart that hates God. You know it was God that taught me this. Nobody taught me this. He said to me, he said, the world hates me. So what you see they are doing is hatred for me. They hate me. So this is the person, we bring law to him, he hates God. What does he do? He see what is happening all around you. I see the nature of man. How easily people are killing wars, thousands, doing weapons that can wipe out nations. See what is going on. See how easily human life is, is belittled and destroyed. Babies being killed, snuffed out. You mutilate a boy, a baby, and say you are changing him sex. It's mutilated, but if you do circumcision, it is law. It's against the law. It's mutilation. But you cut off the whole genital, it's not mutilation. Read the Bible. Why are people so rebellious against the laws of God? The sinful nature of man. They make fun of God on television. Make fun of God everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. That is, is fun for them. God said, the world hates you. They hated me before he hated you. Do you know the Proverbs 9.17? Stolen waters are sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Do you know why stolen waters are sweet? Sin has pleasure. See. Stolen waters are sweet until it becomes your own. That attraction stops. I'm telling you. Stolen waters are sweet. When it becomes your own, it ceases to be seen. The pleasure dies. The interest goes. I'm telling you. You are following Agnes. You love Agnes too much. If Agnes becomes your wife tomorrow, that's the only one that becomes your own. I guarantee you six weeks, you will not be excited anymore. I'm telling you the truth. Once it becomes your own, married, legally married, that excitement through the window. 
But as long as it's not your own and it's sinful, it, it brings pleasure. Stolen water is tasty. Can you hear him talk about, you know, the son would drive his car, drive his car, so the son bought a car. So he drove, he entered the son's car and started to speed with it. And the boy said, Daddy, no, you are speeding. He said, Why? He said, The tire. He said, You are driving my own like that, stolen water sweet. When you are driving my own, you are speeding all over town. Now you remember tire. We have this propensity to, 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 to yield to the pleasure of sin. Propensity. That's why the loss arouses all of that. But God gave us what arouses righteousness. That's why I'm going. God gave us something that arouses obedience instead of the law. That's why you shouldn't go to the law. If you know why the law was given and what it does, you couldn't go there. We have been released from this arousal power of the law because we are no more depending on it. That's why the Bible says we have been set free from it. We are no more depending on it. You know what God did? God gave us Christ instead so that we can follow him. He guides us by his spirit and the spirit of Christ has love, poor love in us so that it makes us love like God. It makes us love God for the love of God is poured in our heart. By the Spirit of God. What God gave us is what arouses righteous desire, good things that are godly. It reveals to us the glory of God and we study the Bible. That's what God gave us. Look at scripture. Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. The, work, the Lord worketh in you to arouse sin. God gave you the, the, the son so that this this Christ in us, this Christ in us is the one that worketh in us both now to will and to do his good pleasure. The opposite of what the Lord does is what Christ is doing. How do you go to the law? You finish yourself. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. You see, by giving us Jesus, he gave us something that works better for us. He said, this law is unprofitable. I shut it down and I gave them a better way. That better way is Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, let's finish with verses. There's still, there's still verses 21 to 25, but I don't think I'll finish it today. Because here it's talking about, is there conflict between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. From verse 21. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it now, but it cannot. So in verse 22, it says, But the scripture declares that we are all prisoners of sin, for we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. This is another thing that's telling us we are all prisoners of sin. One, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we are prisoners of sin. How do you get out of that one? Number two, we have sinful nature. Sinful nature. The Bible said that sin took humanity prisoners. The law can set you free. Jesus said, only the Son can set you free. That's why faith in Christ is the, is the better way and the only way you go. If you go by the law, you won't be set free. He said, it says, but the scripture declared that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Christ. Romans 6, 6. 
He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. See how we've got that freedom? Our old sinful self were crucified with Christ. So that sin might lose its power in our lives. By coming to Christ, you, you receive life. You get, your old nature is crucified. All things pass away. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The thing that happens, we know that our old sinful self, we are crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. That's what you see. But the scripture declared that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Christ Jesus. That's how we are set free from sin. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirement of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So he says in, in verse 23, but before faith came, we were kept under the guard. I think we'll continue next, next week because my time is really up. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you and give you praise and give you glory for what you shared so far. Only your spirit can teach this thing. Only your spirit can explain. We trust it into your hand. Blessed be thy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.